Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, Rob and I will be discussing how we make our characters come to life. We will also be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of you very handsome listeners about email lists and how to maintain them. And that's all before wonderful fantasy and science fiction author F.D. Lee joins us to face our seven questions. We shall begin, as we always do, though, Rob, by discussing the last seven days in, the, in our lives as uh, independent authors. So have you been up to much since we last spoke? I haven't been trapped abroad. Uh, you'll be you'll be happy to hear. <laughs> so a much calmer, much nicer uh, week that was. Uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, I, I speak quite a lot on this podcast about how my my my, my um, process for plotting my books, how I sort of write some, then I plot it out, and then yeah. I kind of tighten that plot out as I write it. I finally finished plotting out completely the Jack Townsend book, which is pretty Ooh, good nice. considering I'm like about 60% into it. I've now been able to connect all the dots and Great. tie it all up. So now it's just full steam ahead. Now it's just, here's your few bullet points per chapter, sit down, get it written. So I'm hopeful I can get it. I'm going to have it, the first draft done by the end of this month, which will be oh, way great. ahead of schedule. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's obviously taken up quite a lot of my time. I've obviously been doing some writing as well. I've been doing all the usual admin stuff we talk about all the time. I've also been doing some man work, David. I've been constructing really? a, a climbing frame for the child for, to go in the garden. Oh, nice. I'll show you it after the. I'll show you afterwards. And yeah. once it's 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 not finished yet. But I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of drilling <laughs> over the last <laughs> week. So. Uh, um, yeah, that's been my week. How's your week been? Uh, so, so Olivia likes to climb as much as Lola. It's just any climbing frame she just wants to get on it, or a tree she just has to climb. Yeah. It must be something in that that uh, demographic. Um, yeah. My week has been good. Yeah, I've um, I've been writing. I've been productive. Uh, I'm getting on with with what is now book number four in the Lenny Moon novella series. Uh, getting yeah, I sort of aim for fifteen hundred to two thousand word chapters. So I've been getting one of them done a day. So nice. that's progress. Uh, I'm also writing the screenplay for Ferguson. I had a big meeting yesterday, and um, so we have a oh, production nice. company now who want it. Um, so we're we're working on. I'm now officially writing the screenplay. It's it's no Amazing. longer speculative. It's it's all happening. And I have another meeting on Monday with a bigger production company and we're assessing whether there's some sort of collaboration or co-production to go on. So I'll know a lot more uh, next week, but we do have a production company on board and it's all looking very exciting. Um, The next step now is to get some endorsement from uh, the man himself. So I'm not sure when that's going to happen but that is the next step after we've finished uh, writing a good draft of uh, episode one so it's yeah it's been a productive week 
Um, I, I, but for that, I compensated. I haven't been as disciplined in my administrative tasks um, as one should be as an independent author. But, you know, the, the, as you often say, Rob, getting getting words on the page is really the, uh, the bread and butter of our job. So um, at least I've been getting that done this week. Rob, it's time for the main talking point. Now, we do get a lot of um, posts and, and questions uh, from our, what do we call them? They are independent. They're two in the author community. Uh, they do mm-hmm. like it when we talk about craft. Now, this is not specifically a craft podcast. It's all about the ins and outs of, of an independent author's career. But of course, as you often say, craft is the crux of what we do. So what we're going to talk about today over the next 20 or 25 minutes is how you can make your characters come to life. Now, Mm. Rob, you've written a a 12 book series now, your Sam Pope series? Yeah, 13th book will be next year. Yeah, so there's 12 books out at the moment. So you have carried this heroic character Sam Pope, great name. We we'll probably touch mm-hmm. on on names actually as as we talk about how bringing your your characters to life really works. Um, so that's a that's a dramatic arc of I'm mm. guessing now with my bad maths. That's a dramatic arc of nearly a million words. Yeah, getting up to I'd it, say... right? Probably got nine hundred thousand words. Yeah, I'd say in and around nearly. Well, actually, I did the novellas as well. There's a chance it's it's touching upon a million. Yeah. Million words yeah, well, committed of Sam Pope, yeah, that's incredible. That really is actually. So, so that means, I mean, you would not have written twelve now, nearly thirteen books without having a proper three-dimensional heroic mm. character that, that that your readers want to know more about. So, what is it really, in a sense, that makes a um? a character three-dimensional in fact let's go back to the start we've come back to that question that i posed there about making your characters more three-dimensional but how did you even begin to start to create let's talk about sam pope for a moment how did you even begin to, to create him so i think you need to understand what your story is now i i i've made it clear on here before i'm not i'm not very academic so um, yeah. I'm not like David, who was a lecturer in creative writing. So I, I won't have maybe <laughs> the real terms or, or the same thought process that maybe is taught. Um, yeah. However, I'd, I'd say my my books are probably more plot driven than than character driven. I think that's right. It's always it's always like here's a really cool like, action plot with action scenes, and I throw my characters in it, and and then they you know. That's kind of the driving focal point of my book. So I say yours is probably more character driven, especially some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd say the first starting point is you need to know what genre you're doing. And we've we've spoke about understanding your genre and there's tropes to genres or there's expectancies of genres that people read that you you should understand. Um, mm-hmm. so I knew for a fact I wanted to do when I set out my one of my favorite ever books or comic books is the punisher and there's a specific series of the punisher written by one of my favorite um authors he's actually the person who wrote the boys which is the big tv show on amazon amazon yeah he wrote a series of the punisher where his one main rule was um there's no superpowers in this one and um it's canon so 
people age and people learn and grow from their their past and i i found it phenomenal i found it brilliant so when yeah. i started i want to write an action hero series basically like a uk punisher it's kind of evolved from that he's not as violent as the punisher well he's violent but he's not as like black and white as the punisher um yeah but i was like okay so but i understood all that because i understand that genre so when i started out i was like okay i need to have an action hero so if he has to have an action hero he needs to have credibility so then i researched all about you know the marines and the army and okay i wanted him to be a yeah. sniper so the sniper division and all that stuff so then i had to research guns i had to research how you would climb up through the ranks and things like that what kind of missions so, you'd go on. so before you settled on your protagonist you're you're building the world you're building the setting and then you're going to yeah, build I, create the character I, that goes into that setting yeah, essentially that is like okay. Well, yeah. if that's if if that's if that's what my character is going to be, I need to know all that stuff. And then the yes. idea after that was okay. Well, then what would be his motivation? So, like, what what would be the reason he would do any of the stuff I want to happen in this book? Um, and yeah. so I just started like, writing down, you know, you know, horrible injury from his time in the army, um, backstory, a devastating family. Yeah, this kind of thing because. Without that, there's no point in me starting the story because I don't know any of his past that could basically impact how he would react to situations in my plot. Yes. You know what I mean? If I just started with the plot and just threw this guy in, I was like, oh, and then he comes across a bad guy. Well, why would he get involved in that? But then I've already established, well, this is the kind of person he is and these are the things he's been with and this is why it triggers him to get involved. So that's how it's I started creating point, my character. Yeah. I go, I kind of create their life up until the point that they come into the story so that yes. when they come into the story, I can refer back to their life to drive my plot forward. Which That's a great point. Like I, said, probably, yeah. I don't know how academically or how well I may have put that across then, but what about you, David? I know you're, you're, you go right into the heads of your characters because you write from their perspective, right? Yeah, well, I see you're writing action um, thrillers, really. So the, the the real crux of your novels are, are, are the action. I'm writing psychological thrillers. So psychological, I guess, means you're inside the mind of, of characters. Mm. So, so my books are more character-driven, whereas yours would be more action-driven. But I love what you said there, um, about, because you and I have often talked about the, uh, in fact, we did a whole podcast on plotting versus pantsing. Mm. And, and you know, there's no right or wrong way. It depends on whatever way you want to create your art. But when it comes to building characters, it makes sense to have some sort of plotting. Because as you say there, mm. you're building Sam. There's no point in you just starting on page one with Sam and then pantsing your way through because you'll get an inconsistent, um, inconsistent character traits throughout that. So it, Rob there has probably only a few bullet points of, you know, what what sam's backstory is and now i know how he will react and how he will confront uh, the things that are put in front of him the, these dilemmas or these barriers that that you will create mm -hmm. in order to give your books the dramatic arc um my, mine is slightly different so i will take there's never one protagonist really in my books it's normally multiple points of view so what i tend to do is i tend to put very ordinary characters ordinary people and put them in an extraordinary situation. Right. So what I will do is um, 
I will map out how many I need. I'll go, okay, so I'm going to have six characters and I'm going to run them through this scenario. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell the story from each of their points of view and, and it'll be different perceptions of the same thing happening. That's really what the, what my books are. Um, so I will first come up with, um, okay, I need six characters. Three are going to be male. Three are going to be female. I want a bit of diversity in here. I want representation of, of different uh, people from different walks of life. And then I will come up with names. Now, names are very important to me, um, uh-huh. as they are to you. So Sam Pope's a, a fucking cracking name. Um, <laughs> just two one-syllable names there um, also, to, to really to cut in, drive home. Just to cut yeah? in. Just to cut in the 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 importance of the name that you're saying there, um, yeah. Sam Pope screams action hero. Yeah. Lenny Moon, who you're using, Lenny Moon screams like a sort of a downtrodden, plucky private investigator. Like, and that's and that exactly is what who he, he is. Exactly, yeah. but that's and and I don't think we we won't spend forever on names, but this is why. He, Getting the names is so important because if you switch those names round, yeah, and I, I had Lenny point. Moon um, as a guy on a cover with two guns or whatever, and then he had Sam Pope as this like kind of I know you've posted pictures up like bumbling. this kind of like meek looking like bumbling bull guy yeah. in a yellow parka. Yeah, it, immediately you just think like oh, that, that doesn't really fit. So I, I, so I just right. want to make that point. Yeah, it's a good point to make, and 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 really. If, if it just takes Sam Pope there, that's that's two one syllable names and it's punchy. And that mm-hmm. really is what your books are. So it's it's really yeah. lending itself to that sort of that's it. Sam yeah. Pope, this is who he is. And Lenny's a a a, a, a bundling PI, he's a wannabe PI, Lenny Moon. Mm-hmm. And he, he's sort of away with the fairies. There's there's where the moon comes from, you know, he's not necessarily uh-huh. in the real world all the time so yeah get, get names right and and i mean i when i used to teach about how to get names right i i used to give some silly examples like um if, if you're if you're creating a hard man you know you know he's just hard man character well stone or rock as a surname sort of makes sense and, uh-huh. and that, that's a very obvious one. Now you don't. No one's going to use that because that's probably a cliche version of what I'm trying to get across here. But get a name that really suits your character. That when the reader um, comes across it, they, they're sort of getting almost a, a, a glimpse into his or her uh, character or personality. So yeah, I will. I will know now. I need six characters. I will come up with names. I love that process. Sometimes we, I think uh-huh. in fact, we've had emails in from people going, how do you come up with names for your characters? And my answer to that is, I come up with the names for the characters. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how to explain yeah. it. I just think she's a Vanessa Jensen. She's Vanessa Jensen. That makes so much sense for her name. She's pretty. You know, she, she just has a pretty name. She's, she, she's seductive. You know, whatever it is about her personality, it will be formed in her name or their name anyway. Uh-huh. So once I have the names, uh, I'm then fleshing out. I make uh, my goal is always to make them three dimensional. So I mean, these are these might sound a bit obvious, but I think they're worth mentioning. Um, good name, and then I will find an image that will relate. So here we go. This is what mm-hmm. Lenny Moon looks like. This is his name. He's a bumbling private investigator. This is what he looks like. He's not very fashionable. He looks like your average guy who walks around. He's not. 
you know, I'm not building Jack Reacher here. He's not six foot six and, you know, chiseled jawline and stuff like that. Yeah. And then one thing, this is, this is key now to, to, I guess, the whole conversation we're having here is you have got then to start making your characters relatable. And that means yeah. making them human. Do you know what I mean? So giving them flaws is, is huge, you know, maybe even flaws that your reader can relate to. Um, and give them a tangible backstory that sort of will help shape who they are and what they're mm-hmm. doing at any one time. Um, so it also makes sense to give them a goal. So it's something that they're going to reach towards over the arc of the story. But I, I'll have to go back to that one again, making them relatable, you know, the way you, whatever sort of insecurities a reader might have, give them to your characters and make them well, really that- come to life that way. That goes back to the question you did ask at the beginning, which was how do you make your characters more three-dimensional? Um, yeah. So if you, I'll take Sam Pope. He's a one-man army. That's the whole point, right? He, 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 yeah. he goes through, you know, bad guy after bad guy, multiple thugs, henchmen. Do you know what I mean? He has massive shootouts, fights. He gets absolutely beaten to crap, but he always comes through. We all know there's, there's the story, right? But, yeah, I could write that as a just a boilerplate, you know, basic, easy guy. He's almost indestructible, which is why I find a little bit of Reacher. I find Reacher a little bit too invincible. Um, yeah. Whereas my idea with Sam was, it's probably maybe a little spoiler. If you haven't read it and you want to read my book, just listen, turn off for 20 seconds because I'll just tell you exactly <laughs> why his driver is coming. So here it is. Spoiler alert now. You find out in book one that he he lost his son. And he could have done something yes. about it, and he didn't. And and he then sees the injustice in that because the person who who was drink driving uh, got off like kind of a, a shorter sentence on the technicality. So he loses all faith in the law system, and he's also broken because he lost the one thing he always fought for when he was in the army, which was his family. So he's like a broken person. So then what happens is he he finds like a corruption in the police and a, and a known organized crime gang in the first book. And those two feelings of loss and a sense of injustice drive him to do something about it because he can, because he's well-trained and well-skilled. But there are multiple times throughout all the books where he is past like demons or his situation will either affect him negatively and make him vulnerable or they drive him to get involved in something. So book two is about a dad who's looking for his missing daughter who's been abducted by um, sex traffickers. But he knows what it's like to lose a child, and this dad is doing everything he can to try and get him back, but he doesn't have the skills that Sam Pope does, so Sam Pope gets involved. Again, that's a basic action hero plot, but it's driven by an established character trait within sam pope and that just builds and builds throughout the whole series yeah and and what you've done there with that backstory is you've incorporated everything we're talking about here so Uh you're giving him that sense of injustice uh that sense of guilt that will eat away at him all through these 13 books that you've written that guilt that guilt's never gone away that he couldn't help his son Uh and, and it gives and the fact that um he didn't get justice for the guy responsible for killing his son um 
that that just that that gives them that total drive to to go it alone and not go the legal route of being a police officer or you know uh, staying in the army and 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 getting justice that way he's now a renegade he's out there and Mm -hmm. we have all of this backstory and this character to draw and he's totally three-dimensional now and as a reader we understand what's driving his motivations and the last thing I'll add on before I'll ask you about how you do your characters three-dimensional, because I find yours fascinating because you do it first-person perspective. What I've done mm-hmm. with my books is I always kind of set them either three months, four months apart. Well, some of them are like two weeks after the last book. Like he goes from oh, one right. situation to the next. But what I've done is I've kept that canon. So yeah. it's not like he's – so when he started out, I think he was about 38 in the books, I think, off the top of my head, in the night shift, he's about 38 years old. I think now in the latest book, he's like 42. Okay. So he's like getting a bit older. Everyone's getting a bit older. And because it's kept canon, it's now like, I think in book 10 or 11, he actually made peace with him because he used to get haunted by like visions of his son and stuff. Oh, I think he kind right. of makes peace with, there's always like dream flashbacks throughout the book of time he spent with his kid that kind of like links into roughly like the message of the book. But I think in one of the books, he actually, in the more recent ones, he made peace with the fact that his son is dead. And it's like a bit of clarity. Right. But it took like 10, 11 books to get there. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's, it's the point I'm making is because I've kept it canon and I've aged the characters, everything that's happened hasn't happened in like a two week period. It's happened like over the span of like four or five years. So like he's now yeah. notoriously known in the UK as a vigilante who's out there. Like other crime bosses in other countries know who he is, that type of thing. And that just again, right, yeah. it makes the whole world and all the characters three dimensional. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And and as you say, justification for all of his actions now. Nothing mm-hmm. it, it, you often say when you're you're plotting out your books, you don't want anything coincidental to happen or happen no, by never. chance. But giving Sam that backstory justifies all of his actions, and it means none of it is coincidence. Yeah, and and you need to put. I think in one one book, I put in a flashback where they're under fire in Afghanistan, and a young guy who joined the army after getting out of prison and stuff showed him how to hot wire a car. So then later on in another book, when he needs to get into a car, he smashes a window of his elbow and he goes under the thing. And then someone says, do you even know what you're doing? He went, yeah, someone showed me how to do this before. Now, if you've read the books, you'd know, oh, yeah, someone has shown him how to do that. It's not just, oh, suddenly Sam Pope knows how to hotwire a car. It's actually, no, it's been established before. And this is, I will always give myself a small pat on the back for this, is I've always plotted out things of, I'm going to drop this in book two because it's going to come out in book five or something like that because I've had yes. this idea. Um, but You see, you're again, a bigger plotter than you think you are. Yeah, I, I am. Um, yeah. for, the, for, the, for the series, I am. But I yeah. think when we talk about things being 3D and we talk about things not being coincidence, there's literally, you can just drop a line in in a book somewhere Mm -hmm. that will pay off later on and it makes people so much more fleshed out but yeah enough about sam pope david you've got a multitude of characters before we go into who our favorite characters we've created are what 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 little things do you do to make these people more fleshed out um i'll tell you one thing i do you you just mentioned it there yourself where you you just said that you can 
don't forget you can go back and even just drop a line in somewhere which gives justification mm-hmm. to for an action later on uh, in the story so um you and i work differently in terms of first drafts you like your first draft to be very very meaty my first draft is really uh. just the skeleton um it, it i heard a great saying there the other day um a writer saying that their first draft is them telling themselves the story uh getting it mm. out and um, so a lot of my characterization characterization will come in future drafts so what i will do then is once i've sort of written the the, the story the first draft there, there's one draft at, at about draft three or four where it's for characterization only and what okay. I'm doing is I, I will have my image and, and it could be a celebrity or it might be, uh, you know, a, 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 a Google image I found that I think might look like my character. So once I have that, what I'm trying to then find is their voice. And I think finding their voice is is really key. It's as key as giving them relatability and giving them flaws that, you know, that will, will help relate them to the reader. So the voice is um, an interesting part of the process for me because I will go onto YouTube and I will do, I will search for um, a girl in Kansas, 15 year old girl in Kansas. And then I will find an interview with a girl, a 15 year old girl in Kansas. And I think, right, that's the voice. That's my voice. Yeah. That's where I'm going. With. And I will play that voice over and over in my head as I'm going through all of that characters um sections in the book. And I will write. Now, remember I, it's different for me because I'm not just writing dialogue for her voice because I'm writing in first person. So everything is in her voice. All her chapters are mm-hmm. in her voice. So I just want, I want that accent. I want, does she pronounce her G's at the end of words? Is it, is it something or something? Uh, all these nuances, these small things. I just want to hear that voice and I want to hear it out loud so that when I'm recreating or redrafting her or his chapters, I'm doing it with that voice totally in mind. So that's one Amazing. of the big things that I do. But that, of course, that that's not necessarily a tip for everybody. It's it, it, it is, But it is a, a tip for everybody when you're writing the dialogue of your person because you don't want your dialogue to sound samey. You know, Sam's dialogue should not sound the same as his uh, antagonist in, from, uh-huh. in whatever book it is. So, it, so if you have the voice in your head and you can hear it out loud, it's a big benefit and a real big... Um, it's a great way to make your characters come to life. If they have their own unique voice, it's, it's very key. Yeah. Um, and you know what's another good thing is um, a body language. So mm. sometimes your character doesn't have to say anything in order to get a part of their personality across. And, and I give it off from all of my characters ticks like Lenny, Lenny blinks a lot. Um, and, and I have characters that shrug a lot. You know, it, it sounds a bit cliche, the shrug, but the or wringing of the hands. Or if I give characters little ticks to just let the reader know, oh, that's them, and that's them coming to life, and that's their, they're uneasy in this situation. I've got one uh, with Sam where, like, because he's quite a imposing guy, and then, like I said, because everything's canon, a lot of people sort of know who he is now. Um, but yeah. his thing, one thing he has quite a lot of the time is he like diffuses situations by uh, either making or asking for a cup of tea. Right. Um, yes. Nice. That is. But calm. then, like, he, I think in the latest book, he he gets like he comes back to his where his makeshift flat or whatever, and there's two thugs there waiting for him, and he just goes, "Do you mind if I make a cup of tea?" So like while they're threatening him, he's just making him a cup of tea, 
Great. And then he he jabs one of them with the spoon in the eye. Do you know what I mean? Like, he again kicks off, but it's like he always likes people be like scared of him. And he goes, Let's go have a cup of tea. And then he'll is, talk is, is to he, them because he's, he's, he's buying some time there to think, perhaps, is he, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's letting the process. But that's another one of the ticks I've got for him, which is when he walks into every room, he like basically he memorizes every detail. So he'll like he'll memorize how many steps it took him from the door to where he is now. So he knows how quickly it is to get back. He can then justify based on how many steps that was. He can then estimate how many steps away the first bad guy is. So then he can work out which one to go to first, stuff like that. So I put all that in. So it fleshes it out. I mean, we could talk about this for ages, David, because I think yeah. there's, we say at the time, there's no right way, there's no wrong way. Art is art. Yes, um, art is and art. And this is a creative process. So based on our creative processes, I'm going to ask you, what, what is your, I say the best slash favorite character you've created and why? Oh, I'm, I'm, I've created so many because it could be the, the I mean, in one of my books, there's nine characters, you know, that, uh, from from points of mm. view, and, and and I've written nine books now, so there's probably about fifty characters at this stage. I, I have one that runs over three books: the the America trilogy, Sarah Jane Zadansky. Now, there's a good name, mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Zadansky. Mm. Z D A N S K I. Yeah, she's this hot. Sounds like a reporter. Yeah, she sounds like a reporter. In America, it looks like a name you would see. Report yeah. by Sarah Jane Zadansky, you know, on um, on one of those American... She's a, she's a local news reporter uh, when we meet her in book one. But book three, she's she's uh, like this lauded national hero. Hmm. Uh, you know, everybody wants to know from Sarah Jane Zadansky. But because she's over three books, she takes such a huge arc. So if I had to pick one... I would pick her and, and she has so many flaws and she's so relatable and she, she, I, I really feel like I brought her to life and, and she could very well be um, a, a real character. Uh, what about you? Same mm. question to you. What's the best character or your favorite character I mean, you've created? I mean, I could say Sam Pope because he's made me a career. Mm. Um, that's too yeah. obvious. So um, I live and breathe Sam. So actually what I'd say is one of my favorite characters I've created is a villain from book eight which is funny enough the book that jack townsend's in but it's not him um yeah. jack townsend getting his own series obviously um is a is the main villain called slavan kovac nice. again great name um yeah, great for like name. kovac um yeah. but he's a a former croatian like special forces <clears throat> and then right. But again, I did all the research so with all the issues and problems that they had out in that region. He was like part of the special forces to it. So then he eventually, him and his like hit squad, like dangerous hit squad, basically mutinied because they 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 didn't believe in the cause anymore. So then they left. Yeah. And then based on his expertise, like he's a highly trained killer. They became mercenaries for hire. And then he built himself up into becoming the biggest arms dealer in Europe because he takes people out because he's so violent. And then he's starting to make inroads into the UK. And then through a plotted out thing, he eventually comes into um, confrontation with Sam Pope, who's tracking down where somebody got a gun from. Uh, But this guy is as dangerous as Sam is, but he's as composed. So instead of like some of my villains being drug addicts or, you know, power crazy this guy was just a really calm composed 
killer who just saw an opportunity and became incredibly dangerous. And he's gone down. I think he's most people's favorite villain. So I would say nice. that'd be my favorite, uh, favorite character I've ever done. But I mean, I just love creating all these characters. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I just love creating them. Uh, listeners, get onto our Facebook page, Two in the Authors. This is a topic uh, Rob and I could, could probably do um, 10 podcasts on. Um, and let us know how you create your characters and how you make them come to life. We'd love to hear from you. Two in the Authors. David B. Lyons. It's oh. time to reveal the question we are about to have. It is time for the mailbag. David B. Lyons, <laughs> how should I deal with an underperforming okay. ad? I will ask it in the mailbag. There you go. <laughs> nice. I tell you what, I thought you were going without melody there for a second, for the first few lines, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then it kicked in. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that. I'll give that a nice five out of ten. Brilliant, thank you. That's all it's I can ever aspire for to you. be. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like my best ever rating. Um, <laughs> this week's question, David, in the mailbag comes from Colm Sadler, and Colm says, and I remember you saying it's a very handsome question, and I imagine it's a very handsome individual. He says, "Hey guys, <laughs> I haven't heard you mention this on the show, but which email provider do you use?" And how do you even begin to build your email list? Ah, okay. Thanks for the question, Colm. Uh, I, I, I use MailerLite. I believe you use MailerLite as well. Mm -hmm. um, I do. So, uh, yeah, I think I was with Mailer, MailChimp and it just wasn't doing much for me. And then I, I transferred everything I had over to MailerLite and it's, it's a, a friendly user face, not very mm -hmm. complicated. Um, I'm really interested in it. Um, in, in how it works and it's quite creative so so i like it uh rob uses the same one but rob if, if i remember correctly uh, um it, there's two parts of columns question which provider do we use we use mailer light and then he asks um how do you even begin to build your mail list but mm. we, we've been through that in detail on we the have, show before yeah. haven't we we have we have calm um so um we have mentioned this on show. We've actually got two episodes I will direct you to check out. And to any of our listeners who are looking to build their mailing list, these are the two episodes you should go back and listen to. So episode 22 um, was called You've Got Mailing Lists. And that's basically Dave and I do a whole episode dedicated to how which how, um, providers we use, how we go about building our mailing lists, why they're important. So if it's something you're just starting out doing, it's crucial that you listen to that episode. I'd also direct you to episode seven. Uh, which is about front and back matter and how you mm -hmm. can set up the back and front of your books to um, promote your mailing list and to generate subscribers to it. So um, instead of me giving you a two minute answer here on how you can grow your mailing list, I'm going to tell you, go listen to those episodes and you'll get way more information out of them. Two Okay, Rob, it is time for the seven questions. And this week we have a fantastic fantasy and sci-fi writer, S.D. Lee, otherwise known as Faith. Faith, thank you so much for giving us your time this week. 
Wow, no, thank you for, for giving me your time this week. I'm really excited. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Just before you came onto the recording, uh, Rob and I were purring, uh, looking through your Amazon sales pages. Um, your books look absolutely stunning. They're so striking, aren't they? Beautiful. Uh Thank you. Yeah, I, I I hope so. That's what you ideally what you want, I think, isn't it? It's for something to catch people's attention. And um, I'm very lucky. I have a really, really talented uh, cover designer, J.D. Smith, who's been with me since the beginning. And, and yeah, oh, they're great. Lovely. Yeah, J.D. is doing a great job. I mean, uh, uh, listeners, check out F.D. Lee on Amazon. The Fairy's Tale, that's book number one, isn't it, in your series? In my fantasy series, yeah, The Fairy's Tale and In the Slip is my sci-fi novel. So you have two series going on at the moment or it's just one series and then one standalone? Uh, I mean, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> I wrote In the Slip to be a standalone um, because I wanted to get, I've been knee deep in this fantasy series and I needed a, a kind of a, an amuse-bouche, you know, a refreshing yes. kind of wash. And um, of course, since then, I've completely fallen in love with Kong, the main character, yeah. and a lot of readers, you know, if you look in the reviews and stuff, they're like, oh, I do hope there's another one. I'm thinking, yes, I hope there's another <laughs> right. one too. Right? <laughs> hmm. Um, so at the moment, it's a standalone, but I... I've already got a book mapped in my brain, so it's not going to be a standalone for much longer. Be a, what are they called? Duology? A duology, yes. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. And is the fantasy book, so does the fairy's tale, the cascade, the first and that final story? Is, is, that, is yeah. that series complete? No, I have just finished book number five, which is the penultimate one, the first and final story. Ah. Uh, misleading from the title, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm again penning the final um, book in that series. This was another one, though. I do confess, got away from me initially. You know, many moons ago, when I started writing the fairy's tale, I had it mapped in my head that it would be three books, very traditional. You know, yeah. Fat- kind of number and I didn't know anything about writing at the time I'd written like fan fiction and stuff but I'd never Uh you know it's my first book my debut book and I had no idea actually how long it would take to flesh out the characters and it's a fantasy world so you have to flesh that world out you have to make you know believable um and so, yeah, it, it's not that the overarching story has necessarily changed, but it's taken a lot longer to do it justice than, than I thought it might. Yeah, well, they, they look absolutely amazing. That, that, that The you. branding, as Robert was pouring about um, uh, before we, we came on air, is just, it's re, it's, it, that, they look like they belong on the shelves in, in one of those yeah. classic Waterstones, you know, on Oxford Street or something like that. They look amazing. Oh, wow. That's very kind Absolutely. of you. I, um, I, I think they're, they're, they are the definition of a scroll-stopping cover. So if you're scrolling mm-hmm. through Instagram or Facebook or something, and, I, and you saw this cover, you would stop. That's So I, I highly recommend everyone, once you finish listening to this podcast, go and look at F.D. Lee on Amazon, and you will see what exactly what david and i mean when we say you need to get your branding spawn um i I think um it's been a wonderful introduction i think uh based on the things you've said this is going to be a really interesting seven questions so are you ready 
to tackle them. Um, yeah, sit comfortably. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, I'm going to go in with number one, and that is, are you a full-time author? I am not. Okay. No, I, I'm not. Um, it's the short answer. I'm more full-time than I... Mm, okay. I'm more full-time than when I initially started. I'm, I'm now part-time writing, part-time working you know, yeah. for money. I suppose, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm not. I, I For a long time, it was very much a dream of mine to be a full-time writer. Um, and I think, it, obviously, this is very personal. It's different for different people. Absolutely. Um, but for me, actually, that kind of... It became quite obsessive for me, and I actually stopped enjoying what I was doing. I became very obsessed with like my reviews and my marketing, yeah. and I I have that kind of brain. I was just explaining, yeah. um, you know, I have like the ADHD kind of brain, and I can get sucked into things very deeply sometimes and quite detrimentally and yeah. that whole thing became a bit much for me and I had to actually really pull back and just sort of think to myself well hang on a second if this is all my eggs are in this basket and I'm relying on this for my living am I enjoy you know am I enjoying it so mm. I had some conversations with my partner who's been very supportive and um, we're also very blessed to be in a position where I could go part-time uh, right. in my job Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from, Faith. It's it's the type of full-time job that um, you could easily spend eight hours a day procrastinating because there's so <laughs> so many strings to the bow that you, you can be led down any path at all. And um, we've had a couple of authors on who answered that question saying, I'm not a full-time author, nor would I want to be a full-time author. Uh, they they like the idea of, of, of having the balance of like what you have, that part-time, I think exactly that for me. I'm, I'm, um, I wouldn't lie and say, well, you know, if if somebody was to start offering me, you know, kind of Stephen King levels of money, then then there might be a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually have to say though, even then, I think certainly for the type of writing I do, I actually need that kind of outside influence as well. I need to kind of bubble around people I work at a university so I you know when I am at work I have a lot of interaction with you know a, a whole host of kind of different yeah. you know people and, and ideas and I'm that exposure and I think actually that's also very beneficial yeah to to my writing mm. I mean to everybody's writing I can only speak for myself yeah yeah I totally get that four years in for me I started to feel that the the weight of isolation um, so we started doing a lot of collaborative uh, work from therein so it's interesting now that you're at a sort of part time and, and six books deep is, is really impressive uh, let's get into how you sort of have run this part time author business fate um, so question number two is have you chosen to be wide or exclusive with your ebooks I'm currently Amazon exclusive with my ebook, so I'm on KU. Mm -hmm. I have been wide in the past. I, I, I think as, as we progress, I think you'll find out that I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> I have been wide, and currently, my, um, you know, we were just saying the latest novel in my Pathways Tree series books, uh, First and Final Story, that's wide at the moment at the request of, of you know, people on my newsletter yeah. and, and I don't like to say fan base. It makes me feel yeah, quite like a yeah. 
readership. Yeah, that's, my, readership. that's a lovely word. My readership. Yeah. My readership. Um, at that kind of request, I'm wide at the moment, but I've I've let everybody know that it'll be going into KU at yeah. the end of October. Right. Makes yeah, sense. I, yeah. I think that's that's um that's a well-trodden path. I think that quite a lot of big. I know Mark Dawson, who we shout out a lot on this podcast. Obviously, a massive yeah. player in the indie author game. I know when he launches books. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he has. A, I'm I'm part of his newsletter because I read his books, and yes. he always has a yes. he always has a thing saying books coming out now. You've got it for like a month on Kobo and Apple before it will go exclusive on Amazon, um, which is mm-hmm. really clever. I think, um, yeah. so especially if you've got the fan base wide. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. And I've recently, because um, obviously KU is for your ebooks only, and I've uh. recently um, started looking at all kind of wider distribution, other distribution channels for the the paperback novels. Great. Yeah. And the audiobooks are wide as well. So I, it's about, I think, and you, you guys talk about this a lot, I know, it's about finding those balances yeah. at work for you as a, as an author and as a person but also work for the the people that like to read your books right the people yeah. that you make friends with or attract or whatever absolutely the marketing term is but that's 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 one of the biggest things is there's no we always say there's no right way to do it there's there's wrong things to do but there's no right way to do it and mm-hmm. one thing david always champions yeah. is you have to find where your audience are and the majority of them are because that's how you're going to sell more books um absolutely yeah you've done the first two questions now we start getting properly under under the hood of things now so question number three name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without oh now i um i want to cheat because i there's kind of three so i'm gonna <laughs> We need to change this question, I, David, to three, don't we? Because yes, everyone yeah. says they, they can't break it down. Can't they do always well. have three. Very difficult, isn't it? But I, I'm going to take the word service. This is my, um, I, I work in applied linguistics on the other side of my job. So this is the applied ah. linguistic. I'm going to take the word service to mean something that you pay for, mm-hmm. which has okay. helped me kind of narrow down my answer. Okay. And I, I think one of my other answers might come up later anyway. Great. Um, the one that I found really really useful is um free booksy written word media Mm -hmm. booksy free booksy um i know again that you guys have spoken about it before so you know i'm I'm kind of try to sell them to you (laughs) (laughs) they're not giving me anything i'm not i'm not on the books but uh i think i mean there's so many so it is difficult to say i I tossed up pages between free booksy and scrivener you know like mm. um but I find three booksy for me. It's it's good in my price range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know bookbub. I've I've done bookbubs before, and and they are absolutely you know wow. When you watch your uh, your ticker go up on a bookbub day, it it's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cost is quite prohibitive. Pro- Can I ever pronounce this word prohibitive? You nailed it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> lovely linguistics there. Love it. <laughs> So coming out, um, yeah. So I mean, I have to think for me where I where I'm at and where I live. Of all of those kind of um, you know book giveaway discount sites, yeah, that's the one. And I know you were talking about Mark Dawson. Mark Dawson's just started one up as yes. well. Um, and I've done a couple of the um, free booksy bundles, which incorporates. Uh, I can't remember Mark Dawson's 
what it's hello called books. now. Hello books. Yeah, hello. Hello books. Yeah. It. Thank you. And um, Fussy Librarian and things, you can get bundles now. That's right. I haven't done that yet, but I but yeah, that's, that's something on my to-do list. It was very, very, very tidy for me. I'm not oh, going to lie. Nice. It was nice. Very good. Not, again, not book bub numbers, but really good, significant numbers for... You know, for the price that yeah, I Yeah, I guess you're I'm... not paying $1,000 like you would be in a book bub. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there, there's so many good services out there, and I'm sure you've got lots of different answers to this question yeah. in the past. If you allowed three... Yeah, go on. Gent- if you allowed three, you know, it would be, it would be a different kind of question. <laughs> go on. Um, but, so yes, yeah, if, if I'm... You've got three books, he's Scrivener. Go on, you can sneak your third one in. Go on. uh, I like uh, Book Funnel. I find Book Funnel yeah. really useful. Yeah. yeah, it's such a great service, Book Funnel, in terms of um, really simplifying something that would otherwise be massively complicated. Exactly that. Yeah. So the, uh, and free giveaways that they do, you know, the, the mailing list swaps and things like that. Yeah. You know, especially when you're starting out and you don't have many kind of friends in the game to sort of organically do those kind of things. Yeah, yeah they're a great mm. service. Um, I think I, of um of all the of all the things I've come across as an independent author, Book Funnel is the one I wish I'd thought of. Oh, yeah. wow. I think it's I, I think it's that yeah. that is somebody who's found a problem and given yeah. the perfect solution for it. And you're whoever, not I, don't know, I don't I don't know who who created Book Funnel, um, but I like I said that's of all the pro you know, program services we've used. That's the one I think. Oh, I wish that was me. It's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, KDP Rocket is the one I wish I'd invented. Oh yeah. Mm. Is it still called KDP Rocket? Has it changed Publisher its Rocket name? now, isn't it? I think. Publisher Publish- Rocket, yeah. I'm showing my vintage there, aren't I? I'm showing my age. <laughs> um, it was uh, Damon Courtney who created Book Funnel. Yeah. Um, I've li- I've oh. listened to talks with Damon. Yeah, he's a real big uh, voice in the in the author community. He's, he's great. Um, same with Publisher Rocket. Yeah, just just gr- absolutely genius sort of uh, services created to help solve problems isn't it and it's exactly like rob says you know it it's just it fills such a specific but such a needful niche yeah so right it's so right and this question is actually our um highest regarded question in the set of the seven uh fate because i think it's something everybody wants to know from every in the auto When, when we get to in the auto communities we always ask how do you? I try my best in the community. Here we I'm go. Going to do my... in, into the microphone. How do you market your books? Okay, so I might have mentioned earlier, Jack of all trades, master of none. Uh-huh. Um, this is where that's going to be evidenced very clearly. Um, I genuinely, I've done, I think, pretty much every kind of marketing, and I, I whether this is the. Uh, whether this is just me or I don't know if this is something that a lot of people experience, but I tend to jump around depending on uh, on what the vibe is, I think. Wow. I've had, um, so I suppose to list the marketing that I've, ex- you know, done, uh, I've done Reader Magnet. So you mentioned Mark Dawson. I've done the, you know, the newsletter, the Reader Magnet uh Adverts, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Twitter, which was not successful for me. Yeah. Book Funnel, obviously. I've done all the, uh, in the episode, I think you did quite recently, you were talking about all the different stuff that Amazon offers. Uh-huh. 
Oh, you know, yeah. The countdown deals and the Prime Day deals and, and you know, they, they do the email blast. I can't remember what that's called. I've had all of those. The email blasts are absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think you've already said this to, uh, you know, to your readership or your listenership, but if Amazon ever send you an email going, would you like to be part of it? You say yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You say yes. Yeah. Um, I've done the um, social media obviously just like not paid for just yeah, kind of yeah. i'm on social media quite a lot i'm quite lucky because the people who read my books are really nice people so i'm very happy to be on social media and chat to Great. them um uh conventions so i've done um the big uk conventions for my genre of science fiction and fantasy of fantasy con um easter con which is the um national science fiction convention i've done um comic cons bristol con Novacon, like you know, so I do a lot of the convention circuits in the UK, and I'm just breaking into the US now. Right. Uh, um, and I think again, I don't know if this counts as marketing, but I, as you've mentioned, I write in a series which kind of <laughs> mark quite. You know, if you get the read through, you've kind of got a lot of built-in marketing there. So that is a, a laundry list. Uh, for everyone listening, what do you do for your marketing? What don't I do? Sit down. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. But I don't do um, it all at the same time, I have to say. I, as I say, I, I sort of pick and choose. Yeah. I think um, two two points I'll pick up on there that I think really good. Um, I probably say at least once every other episode, probably every episode, that the best way to sell books is to write more books because nothing sells your next book more, well, nothing sells your book more than your next one. Um, yeah. So I completely agree with you on that. The other one is, yeah. it's a discussion we've had before, uh, David and I, which is it's very easy to start focusing on type of marketing and then see that someone else is having success doing a different type of marketing and go, oh, and I always call it looking over the fence and seeing what someone else is doing, which is why we really champion, like it doesn't matter what other people are doing. And I'd always recommend like getting so good at one part of it that you can almost, so I I feel like I'm there with my Facebook ads now. My Facebook ads are so fine-tuned, I can leave them and they're running. So now I'm starting to look at, so now I'm looking at the next step, which is Amazon ads. <clears throat> so like you say, you're kind of like going from vibe to vibe. I personally would say the best thing there would be to narrow down on the ones you got the best results from and then focus on those I... to the point of, I don't need to worry about these because they're, they're working without me even looking at them. I, I have to say I don't disagree with you at all and I think partly this is my squirrel brain kind <laughs> of really coming to the fore yeah. here. Because no, I don't disagree with you. Um definitely the ones that for me I have found to be the most successful are Facebook and mm -hmm. Amazon. Uh I do find though, I have to say I do find they go in ebbs and flows and I, uh -huh. I don't know what the cause of that is. Um I suspect it's probably something to do with, with my market and my genre, maybe, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if you're going to put your, for me anyway, my advice would be if you're going to put your money anywhere and you're starting out, I would go with Amazon because they don't spend the way that Facebook spends. Yeah. I, I lost a lot of money starting with Facebook and not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. And in hindsight, I think I'd start with Amazon because they're a bit kinder to your budget. But Facebook can be amazingly successful. Yeah. 
Absolutely amazing. Oh, you're making me think now I need to go back to Facebook. <laughs> as long as we make you think. I'm looking over your fence, yeah. That's what we do. We, we, we make you think. But I think, every, like David said, that is our most sought-after question because, again, there's no right or wrong way to market your book. And um, We had some. We had a, a guest on saying that he was talking about murdering another author. Remember that, David? Yes. <laughs> I didn't um, know that was an option. Hang on. Like, we're not. We're not. We're we're not potential targets, by the way. Um, uh, no, I no, mean, no. I think I think so far, like the stuff you've said, like the amount of books you've written, the the jack of all trades stuff. Um, this will be a really interesting question. So, question number five is: What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? This is a very good question. Um, I mean. <sighs> You could say everything, couldn't you? Because, you know, it's a journey. Yeah. And I, I, every day I'm learning something new. Like, uh, and again, thank you very much for the compliment. You know, you, you said a couple of times you've written these books and they look very, like, snazzy and eye-catching and, and hopefully the, the inside is as good as the outside, right? Um, but the truth is, you know, it, it's every day you pick something new up. Um, nevertheless, what do I wish I'd known then that I don't know now? Um I think probably, and this ties in very much being an indie author, a self-published author, is getting that writing community around you. Yeah. Um, I, as I, I mentioned, I, I started, I think many people do, I don't know, I'm quite happy to admit, I started with fan fiction. Right, you know, yes. And I did fan fiction for years and years, you know, years and years and years. And um, that's got quite a nice community around it. You know, people will comment and people will be very supportive and, and that's a lovely community. And then I was like, oh, well, I've written, I don't know, like 110,000 word fan fiction on, on something or another. Right. And I was like, well, why why can't I, I do a book? Why can't I do a book? And I cheated a little bit because the fairy's tale is a kind of Cinderella, a fractured fairy tale. Ah. So I still get my little bit of kind of toe it's in the same in, yeah. Yeah, um, although they have gone completely off-piste after that. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, I'll get back to my point. Um, so I moved into kind of writing by myself. I did the NaNoWriMo and I, for a long time, kind of lost that community of, you know, feedback of people talking to you, of having that kind of, you know, shared experience and, and good critical friending which is absolutely invaluable. You, you, I know you talk a lot about editors and things like that and having that kind of really good critical friend. Yeah. So, I mean, I could talk for hours about, yeah, mistakes I made with proofreading, mistakes I made with publishing, you know, but everybody, I think, makes those mistakes. And I think, to be honest with you, the kind of knowledge base about, you know, I started doing this in 2014. There wasn't the, the kind of infrastructure around self-publishing that there is yeah. now. So, yeah, the advice that I would say to everybody, and I think it's maybe the advice that doesn't get mentioned so much, is get yourself a, a writer's group. You know, look on Google in your local area, check out your local library, you know, maybe the local college or further education centre. There will be a writer's group near you. There's plenty online now as well. Yeah. And, and get those critical friends around you and people who will tell you you know, this doesn't make sense. Why Why is your character doing this? Why is this happening now? Hang on, five chat. I, one of my uh, critical friends, this is a very obscure fact, but it actually became very, in the second book, The Academy, 
became very meaningful that my main character all the way through the novel had her hair up in a bun. And then there came to this kind of quite pivotal scene, which, you know, without wanted to go into the details I needed her to have her hair down she just had her hair down and you know it's such a tiny minor thing but like one of the one of the people in my critical friend group were like I'm sorry that really bugs me she's had her <laughs> hair up for like 300 yeah. pages yeah um and larger more embarrassing things that if I'm honest I don't really want to confess <laughs> I, but that, I think that's fine but that's, that, you're, you're, you've hit the nail on the head yeah you've hit Hit the nail on the head there with the critical friends thing. I think David, you're very much the same, especially when it comes to like the yeah. editing. But yeah, yeah, you really need that. You need other voices in your ear. It's yeah. uh, not only is it isolating in terms of um, working alone, but your 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 if your script has only had your eyes, um, you know, it's it's not going to be at its best. You really need that community um, around you, and it's in in this in the modern world where this sort of human touch is 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 getting away from us. Um, it, it is pivotal, not just for your manuscript, but even for your own sanity in terms of being a, a writer. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think it ties into, you know, the kind of answer that I gave earlier as well, um, you know, about being full time or part time. I think if you, I suppose it depends if you write plot driven books or character driven. And I mm. have no, you know, I, I don't mind what people write. I have no prejudice against anything yeah. personally. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. So, as long as people are reading, I think that's wonderful. I don't, you know, whatever they uh -huh. want to read. Yeah. But I think particularly if you want to write character-driven work, you have to be around people. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're not going to pick. You know, all of this show don't tell. You have to see how people show their emotions so that you can. Yeah. Kind of plagiarize that in your own work. Yeah. You know? I'm I'm a character-driven writer myself. I always have been. Even when I did when even before I even knew what it was what character driven meant um, and yeah. I have to be around people so I like to go out to write you know I'm, I'm, I'm in cafes I'm walking up and down high streets it's just part of the process of me needing to get into the zone to it's write it's part of what yeah it's part of it so uh, you mentioned that the writing community is great advice uh, we're going to ask you for more advice for this in a minute but before we get there um, question five Faith, is what's the biggest frustration for you as an independent author well, I have, I have. Am I allowed to? If I'm quick, yeah, absolutely. I'm quick. Um, personally, for me, it, it's time and motivation. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I, again, I'm very blessed to be in a position where I can work part time and and write part time. Um, and I'm sure you know this as well. I don't believe I'm the only writer that experiences. Sometimes your brain is fizzy, poppy, firework, magnificence. And I'm in an office for eight hours on that day. Yeah. And then the day that I've got that is my writing day, I'm I'm sat there in front of the computer, you know, tears pouring down my face, tearing my hair out, going, why, why, why? Um, and of course, you have to be kind to yourself because brains don't, brains don't yep. work the way sometimes you wish they would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I've had to learn to be a lot kinder to myself on those days where it's just not coming because what's the point in sitting there berating myself? It's not coming. It's not coming. Yeah. yeah. But that is, it's definitely very frustrating. And again, kind of alluding to my previous answer about writing groups, I think for indie authors in particular, where you don't have that infrastructure of a publishing house and those kind of built in you know, sounding boards and things, you know, you have to do it yourself as an indie author. You yeah. have to go out and find your people. You have to, 
you know, make your time and and do your best. And that can become very pressurized on days where you simply, your know, brain says, it's no, it's just not happening. And it's about, for me, that's something I find very frustrating is, is having to reconcile with those days where as much as I want to do something and I want to bang out 5,000 words... It's not going to happen. And of course, yeah. it balances out. I have I have other days where I literally do bang out five thousand yeah. words in a day. I think it's um, um, it's, it's the big aspect of it is the mental health. We talk about it quite a lot on different episodes absolutely. of the show. Is is you know a lot of this stuff is in your brain, isn't it? All the all, well, your whole story is in your brain, but then yeah. all your. Um, uh, well, what's the words I'm looking for? Not the imposter syndrome, but like any worries you have about it, concerns, fears, but then all the good stuff as well, like that comes with it. It's all stored up here. So unless you look after nice. it, then you know you'll have days. You have to you have to get on top of being able to look after that. And I think the great point yeah, yeah, is is spot on. Yeah, it mm. really is. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and you you do have to be, as you say, on top of it. You have to be kind to yourself. It's a very reflective practice, isn't it? Because you have to learn to almost like you would for for a partner or a friend or, you know, a family member where you learn to recognize in them, okay, this is the moment where actually they, they just need a cup of tea and they need to pop the telly on, you know, and they just need caring for. And other times you might look at them and think, no, this is the moment where you need you need to kick up the ass now. You mm-hmm. you need you know, this is what Absolutely. you and it's about kind of turning that insight onto yourself, which is you know, I mean, the philosophers have spoken for thousands of years, haven't they? Yeah. Like these kind of difficulties. The yeah. the other thing that I do slightly frustrate, I'm just squeezing my second one. <laughs> my slightly uh, political, but the other thing that I find very frustrating is um, even now to this day, there's still this kind of perception, I think, around independent authoring and self-publishing. Um which I, get, I do get very on. I actually wrote a PhD that talked about self-publishing. You know, talk, this is the ADHD oh, in me. Oh, I'd love to read that PhD. Oh, well, it, it's online. I can send oh, you a link. Oh, please do. Please. Um, but I spoke about kind of self-publishing and, and lots of... I, bleh, it's a US PhD. It's a big thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I find that to this day very frustrating i acknowledge that it's gotten better in the 10 years that i've been self-publishing can i, can I, can I ask you this faith now when did you write mm. when did you write that phd i wrote it well i, I graduated in 08 18 19 and have has there been a massive difference in the 15 years or so do you think the stigma well, not 15 years five years oh, sorry. Five years. oh 18 18 2018, yeah, are, you, 18. are you seeing any erasing of the stigma Yes and no. Uh, I think those areas where it probably will never 100% go away in the very kind of literary fiction, yeah, you know, big fiction, big awards, which are, as I say, I, I, this is really my soapbox because they're a self-fulfilling prophecy anyway, aren't they? The big awards award the publishing houses and the mm-hmm. publishing houses or, you know, give credibility to the big awards, blah, blah, blah. Um, in that kind of higher higher echelons, quote unquote, not hugely. I think there are individual agents and individual players, but not across the industry. But actually, to be fair, for readers, yeah, it's insignificant yeah, to readers. Yeah. Readers who are the most important people yep. at the end of the day, anyway. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I, I don't think stigma exists. Oh, certainly not. As I say, when I started out in you know 2014, 2015, yeah, that stigma doesn't exist. Uh, I noticed that. Yeah, you know, I go to conventions now. I know you know when I started doing the cons, people would be, oh, yourself, oh, yourself, probably, oh, yourself, mm. and that people, oh, yeah, it's your book. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. Um, yeah. There's one one thing we champion all the time is you need to make yourself indistinguishable from the big elite publishers so people wouldn't even know unless you told them that you're a self-published author. And because most people won't ask, they don't need to know. And as for all the people, like you said, in the upper echelons who lock the gates and pat themselves on the back yeah, and award themselves. <laughs> yeah, excuse my, excuse my language. Fuck them. So, um, question. Absolutely <laughs> Final right. question. You're absolutely right. Yeah, right. We could say that, but yeah, no, fuck them. Yeah, you're dead absolutely. right. You're right, right, yeah. Um, also, I was going to say, I was so worried then when you said it was going to be a political answer because I thought that's all David's ears pick up. And I was thinking, you know, he's going to go talking about politics. Um, question seven, final question, please. I'll tell you what, this, this has been such a wonderful chat. I think this has been a really opening yes. chat. And um, you've given so many wonderful pieces of advice um, to our listeners. But question seven, what's the one piece of final final piece of advice you would leave to our listeners writers write i think in a nutshell to be concise for one second in this whole interview <laughs> writers write yeah. um i it, it's such a cliche i think it is literally a cliche right but it's true uh i, I speak to a lot of people i try to be very encouraging to people about you know self publishing and indie publishing I'm sure you have the same where you, oh, I really want to write this book or I've got this idea. And it's like, well, sit down and write it. And you write it. And, and oh, but what if it's not very good? You, Terry Pratchett is, for me, the best author that ever in the history of books has yeah. ever, ever authored. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my role model, my guiding star. Creator of worlds. He, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. him. So, oh. Love and miss him. But, you know, his famous quote was, the first draft is you telling yourself the story. Uh -huh. Oh, I haven't heard uh, that before. I love that. It's brilliant. It's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think that's it. You know, writers write. It's your first draft is you telling yourself the story. Nobody needs to, I would say people see it. Let your friends, your critical friends see it. But, I mean, if you're really that anxious, nobody needs to see it but you. That's amazing. You, you have to you have to put pen again showing my age here. You have to put pen to paper. You have to put fingers to keyboards, right? Uh -huh. yeah. Or, or yeah. it's it's a dream. Yeah. It's, you know, if you're not writing, you're not a writer. Yeah, it's such good advice. Rob sort of passes that advice on literally every uh, episode. So uh, yeah, 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 we we totally get that and hear that. That's an amazing advice. Not just through question seven there, throughout the whole interview there, Fate. And um, that's <laughs> F D Lee. Amazing books. Amazing interview. I think our listeners. Um, will agree with me there Faith do you know what I would Thank love you. to do uh, um, Rob will agree with me here let's have you on the show again I would love to go through that uh, PhD you've written yeah. and a real analysis of self-publishing and where it is where it's at the perception yeah. of it I think that would make a great main talking point for our show yeah, I, I, would be, I would be very very happy um, I can also give you some names of some people that are doing current research into it as well so oh, I'll nice. see what I do there for you too yeah now I'd be Amazing. more than happy oh, more than listen happy. thanks so much for being a friend of the show you're an absolute superstar I really enjoyed thank that last so half hour you. in your company <laughs> thank you so much um, I, I guess I will say goodbye thank you thanks babe to indie authors
I don't know about you, David, but I could have spoken to Faith for another hour about some of the things she was talking about. I found that seven questions absolutely fascinating this week. Well, she's she's just so, well, very articulate and very intelligent, mm-hmm. uh, but so aware of how the in the order business works i know mm-hmm. i know she says she says she admits she's a bit um scattergun when it comes to marketing she she has lots of different fingers and lots of different pies in that way but she's very conscious of what she's doing and how she's doing it and yeah like you just, another wonderful person another, another wonderful independent author but yeah i mean i, I want to get her back on the show and um yeah yeah really dig into what, what she found as she was studying and and, and uh, researching for that phd sounds fascinating yeah well, we've said thank you fate uh, thank you again it's brilliant if you would like to sit in the hot seat for our seven questions we have a very easy sign up sheet that you can fill out it's at the top of the two in the authors podcast facebook group so um get on it fill that out it takes about 90 seconds to fill it out and you could be appearing with us on the show yes we can um david before i let you go what you got on next week go on i've i've announced a date for the release of the next novella which is november well i've just said november uh, which means Mm -hmm. i really have to get to it because i'm away on holidays now in the middle of october for a week and um, so I really want to get as much of it done before I take that flight. So I'm hoping um, and when I'm talking to you next week, I will have written at least another five chapters, which will be a chapter a day uh, until I speak okay. to you again. Uh, what about you, Rob? I am going hell for leather. I'm writing now. I want to get a, a big chunk of the remaining bit done. And I want to finish this bloody climbing frame as well. So get that out because <laughs> it's all stored in my office at the moment. So I want to enjoy my new office. Um, but yeah. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much, David, for today. Thank you to Faith. Thank you to all of our listeners. And you have been listening to... Thank you.